Terminal fans, welcome to the show. Stein Guy along with QT with you here on another Sunday afternoon. Hope everyone is still being safe out there. And I want to get to our guest today. We are joined by one of the all-time great photographers in the history of professional wrestling, author of many books, George Napolitano. Thank you for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for asking me. Well, since it is your first time with this, I will start you out with our traditional first-timer question. What got you into the business of professional wrestling? Well, I was a fan as a young boy growing up. And then I uh, stopped watching wrestling for a while when the uh, when the Beatles, the group called the Beatles came around. And then uh, I had other things on my mind. And uh, in 1970, I was looking in the newspaper, and it said wrestling tonight. And I, I said to my girlfriend at the time, who, who has been my wife for 48 years, <laughs> I said, you want to go see something? I used to go all the time when I was young. Or years ago, I said when I was young. She said, yeah, yeah. So we went to Madison Square Garden, and uh, that's where I got reintroduced to wrestling, 1970. Now, like I said, you've become one of the most well-known photographers for pro wrestling. Uh, You've been an owner and or contributor to tons of magazines. You've put out books featuring your photography. What was it that led you to make a career out of photographing professional wrestling, which I'm sure at the time didn't seem like your standard career choice? Well, it it all, one followed the other. It didn't all happen at once. In the beginning, I, when I started taking pictures, there was several magazines out there. Uh, somebody at Sunnyside Gardens, I went to see the show, and a fellow said to me, you must take good pictures. you got a nice camera. And I said, no, I don't know. And he says, next time you come here, show me your pictures. So I, I went to Sunnyside Gardens with my photos. Sunnyside Gardens being a, uh, an arena used to be in Queens, in Brooklyn, Queens, New York, not Brooklyn, Queens, New York. And I brought the photos with me, and he said, oh, these are great. Do you want to work for me? I said, oh, what do you mean? He says, oh, I need you to become my photographer. And it was for Ring Wrestling Magazine. I said, yeah. I mean, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea. I had no preconceived notion. I didn't go out looking for it. He asked if I would like to work, and I said, yeah, okay. Just figured, nah, why not? <laughs> Something different to do. 
and he brought me down to the dressing room to meet uh, Arnold Scolan, who at the time was in charge of many of the local shows. And uh, from Arnold Scolan, then I met a whole bunch of people. And uh, Arnold gave me an advice. He says, uh, he said, have a good time, but stay out of the wrestler's way. And that's what, that was my introduction. Now, over the years, obviously, the equipment and the technology has changed as far as what photographers use. Do you think in your time in the wrestling industry, just doing the photography of things, do you think that it was a better time to be a photographer when you were starting out with the technology that was available then, or do you prefer the modern advances in technology when you're shooting wrestling? Well, uh, well, look, before you had a camera and you took either 24 or 36 snaps, images, photos. That was a roll of film. I think it was 32 or 36. I don't even remember. So you, one roll, you would just press the shutter, boom, boom, boom. You couldn't fire continually, rapidly. You could fire pretty fast if you know what you were doing, and you had to hope that your flash would keep up with your snaps on your camera. And, and in any show, if you did four or five rolls of film, that's um, 180 photos. That was a lot, 180. Now, before the first match, You've taken 180 images. I'm not going to see how good they are. Eventually, you're going to get a lot of good stuff, and you do today because of what the cameras are. Before, you couldn't look in the back of the camera and say, oh, I, I didn't have the flash turned on, or I didn't have the adjustment right. I, you, 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 had to do, you had to know what you were doing, and you had to be able to focus the camera Get the person moving and focus it, not have autofocus, and you had to know what you were doing. Today, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of photographers, but I don't know that they all know what they're doing, but they're getting good pictures. They have good equipment. One of the things that photographers used to seem to always enjoy especially when they were trying to get their pictures published in the magazines, was a, a match that had blood involved in it. It seemed like, especially if you had an all-collar magazine, uh, people were using photos of the matches that have blood in it just to stand out. For your own personal taste, did you enjoy when there was blood introduced into matches, or did you prefer not to have blood around when you were shooting the matches? Well, you didn't, at that point, you didn't worry about catching something, having getting somebody's blood on you. That was a, that was an issue later on, uh, where people would be, be bloody. But if you went to a match and it was a blood and it was blood, then you knew there might be blood only because it was the kind of event that it was. I always knew I was going to get a cover. I, I knew, I saw Abdullah Butcher, I had a cover. I saw Carlos Colon, I had a cover. Uh, Bushwhacker, uh, Sheep Herder Luke Williams, 
and his partner, Butch Miller, I knew I was getting a puppet. Certain people, I knew they were, they were going to give me some kind of action, and there's going to be something there that will be of interest to some people. Now, I, I, see, this I've done this so long, uh, I, I'm not doing this in any chronological order. But at one point, I had a magazine called Wrestling Scene. So I made Wrestling Scene my blood issue. I would always use a bloody cover on that one. If I did Wrestling All-Stars, I would make sure I have a nice, clean pose photo. That's how I would break them up. But but if I had a, a match when there was blood, I knew that I was going to get pictures for a cover. Ow. Whenever there is a big show happening, uh, whether it's pay-per-view or like an important television taping, a lot of times just really big house shows, people are going to see you at ringside shooting the matches. When you were running the magazines, did people that were booking the territories ever give you a phone call to let you know of big things that might be happening so you were sure to be there, or did you more or less just take your chances and go to the big shows and hope for the best? It was a little of each. If it was a big show, a bunch of times they knew I was going to show up because it was a big show, but there were times when I would get a call, oh, we're, going to have, we're having a big show, we're having a blow-off. Uh, are you available to come this weekend? And, I, and if I ever got an invite like that, of course I was available. But but for the most part, I just followed what was happening throughout the country, and I knew when a big show was happening, and I knew with the different magazines I had, I had to be at this big show for, uh, for a different variety of reasons. I mean, yeah, I got called at times, and at other times, I would take it upon myself because I knew what was going on. Or I was very friendly with a bunch of different guys who would tell me, oh, this, we're having a big match for Friday night, we're having a big match Saturday night. And kind of like asking me to go, but not saying it, knowing that if they told me that I, I would go. And that's when you can get plane tickets within a few days. You didn't have to book it a week or two weeks, three weeks ahead. That's how it used to be. Obviously, being from the New York metropolitan area, you were going to see a lot of WWF events. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. like the bigger uh, territories like the Jim Crockett promotions and World Class were on priority to go and shoot those shows, being on national TV. But how often did you go to the smaller territories territories like a Portland wrestling or like the San Antonio territory or Los Angeles and shoot the smaller territories. Okay. When, when I was doing a series of magazines for Starlog and that, that series of magazines included wrestling scene, TV wrestler, superstar wrestler, wrestler ringside, badass dudes, a uh, woman, of wrestling, uh, wrestling reporter, and I know I'm missing four or five. When I was doing that series of magazines, I made I made it my point to 
to go to as many territories as I could. And at that time, there wasn't a pay-per-view every month. Pay-per-view was every two, three, three, four times a, a year. So they were spaced out enough so that I was able to go to the other places. I, w- I would go to Texas for uh, the Texas uh, Texas Stadium show. I would go to San Antonio. I would go to the Crockett's. But some of the other smaller places, um, Memphis, for instance, or Portland, for instance, I had a couple of photographers, writers, who I can trust, and I knew that they would deliver a good story as well as good photos. So I had a few people like that that I would trust to always submit a good article to me and submit photos. So it made me able to go to some of the other places. I had a fellow named Ken Hamblin, Pacific Northwest. Oh, I always got stories from, I tried to include a story every month from that territory. And and the same, like uh, AWA, I didn't go that often. I had a really good photographer, Adam Milwaukee, who would cover the AWA named Mike Allen. Always always had good photos and got good stories from him. But I tried to go as many as I could on my own, and basically I did. I went everywhere. And also out of the U.S., not just in the United States. One of the things I know you have attended off and on over the years is the Cauliflower Alley Club convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, it obviously did not take place last year due to the global events. Uh, it's scheduled for next month still. But the CAC has changed a lot over the years from what it originally was to what we have today. What type of association do you personally have with the CAC, and what would you say are some of the more dramatic changes that you've witnessed in that organization? Okay, I I used to I used to be very involved when I had my series of magazines. In fact, for three or four years, I ran a convention in New Jersey that was uh, attended by a lot of a lot of wrestling personalities, including Vince McMahon, his wife, and Shane, and Triple H at that time in the, uh, in the 90s. I, I did four, for four years I did conventions. But I would, I would love to go to, to, to the Cauliflower Alley to see people who I had met and to see people who I really didn't know, just to, just to meet, meet guys like... Uh, First person came to my mind for whatever reason, Dr. Jerry Graham. I never saw him. I, I wouldn't say that. I did see him, but I met him again at the Cauliflower Alley. He was a treat. And then also with Red Bastine, who was a friend, I would go to the conventions. After my magazines went, I stopped going. I had really had no reason to go. I had no way to put this stuff until I started taking photos again for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. But I used to love to go to Cauliflower Alley. Uh, and it, what, what has changed, originally it started out as a group just for the wrestlers themselves so that they can have a, a bond amongst themselves. And then they, in the 90s is when they really 
started opening up more to fans. But but for anything to be successful, you have to let people know, and you got to let the wrestlers know. And and then they would say, oh, they, everybody knows about it. But they didn't push it to me. They didn't push it enough amongst the wrestlers themselves to get them to go and tell them how important it really is. I mean, uh, whether whether I'm going the next month or not, I don't even know. I mean, with all the confusion that's going on, I wanted to go, but now it looks like I'm not going to go. But um, I don't know. Hope that answered somewhat, somewhat your question. It definitely did, yeah. Well, we have on our show a game we like to play called Word Association, where I will throw out the names of some people that I am sure you came across in your career, and the first word or two that comes to your mind to describe them is the answer. Are you willing to do a round of Word Association? I'll try. All right. First name, Tommy Dreamer. A person who worked extremely, extremely hard to become a success. I met him when he first, first started, and he he loved rest. He loved wrestling. He was a fan who loved wrestling and still loves it to today. I mean. He worked very hard to improve, to become a really outstanding wrestler. I gave you more than a word. That's a guy. That's a guy who actually worked hard to become what he wanted to do. Missy Hyatt. Somebody who knew she wanted to get in the business and met. A few of the a few of the wrestlers, and became friendly with a bunch of wrestlers, who then helped her become somebody in wrestling. Butch Reed didn't know him well, but I see Butch Reed. I see him having him tossing Ric Flair off the top rope. And it was a cover for a magazine, I believe, it was Wrestling World. But I, I hear I, I hear his name, and I remember being in St. Louis, taking this picture, snapped it. I knew I had a cover. Which read? Carlos Colon. Intense, crazy, do anything, talk about blood. He worked hard. And, again, he's another one who worked very, very, very hard to make a success out of himself. Came out of New York, trained uh, with with, uh, Antonina Rocco originally, and worked hard to become a wrestler. He did. And whenever I went to Puerto Rico, which was a lot, again, I knew I was getting good stories, and I'm going to get good photos, and I'm going to get a cover, Cologne and Abdullah, for sure crazy, crazy matches. He would do whatever it takes to, uh, to, to, sh- to show what he can do. Kevin Sullivan. One of my best friends. Met him in 1974 as a skinny young kid. He was a young kid, too. We, be- we became very friendly. And then we stayed friendly through the years. 
Now, earlier you asked me about going territories and things, about going to different places. When Kevin then became big in Florida with his uh, gimmick that he did, don't say satanic or whatever, being the gimmick that he did, he would tell me what he was doing, and I, I went many and many a night to Florida because Kevin said this is what this is what we're doing, and I knew again I was going to get a great I'm going to get great stories, a great cover, I'm going to get good material, and I still talk to Kevin today. Thunder Rosa. I've only seen her, never met her. And she's uh, an incredible wrestler. I know, and, and she's done something to try to make her own promotion too. I mean, but I really don't know her. Don't know her. I've only seen her one time. The Grand Wizard of Wrestling. The first guy who helped me when I went to see Arnold Skull and Arnold. When I mentioned earlier at Sunnyside Gardens first person I met was the Grand Wizard. And the Grand Wizard was the one who then befriended me and introduced me to everybody. He went to Mr. Mr. McMahon Sr. and said, if we ever need anything, George is a great photographer, he's a great guy, he can help us. And he was the guy who pushed me and introduced me to everybody. And having his acceptance opened the doors for me. That was my first, first real friend in professional wrestling. And the final name on my list, Ernie Ladd. Ernie Ladd was a great athlete. I remember him from football and seeing him, and he was big at the time. He was a big guy. He was impressive, big, impressive. But I didn't have much back and forth with Ernie. Ernie would come in, do a main event and do some shows, but he really didn't do the uh, the smaller shows. And that's where you get become friendly with a lot of people was at the, the smaller events than at the big events. Okay, well, right away, a uh, picture came to mind, hands folded wearing the America's belt, the California and L.A. belt, with a crown on his head. He was the king, first king that I met. Before before Jerry Lola, it was uh, Ernie Ladd, and then there was a fellow named Bobby Shane, who went who used the King gimmick, who passed away in a airplane accident. Well, at this point in time, my co-host QT Vokes is standing by, and I know that he has questions, so I'm going to pass things over to him for a bit. Okay, hope I answered whatever you like. Well, thank you, Sign Guy. Hello, uh, George. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and yourself, I hope. Oh, I'm doing uh, fairly well. Uh, George, I'd like to expand with four wrestlers on Sign Guy's Word Association. Are you ready for the expanded version of Word I'll Association? Try. I mean, I feel oh. you don't hit me up too hard. <laughs> okay. Um, how, about, how about Eddie Guerrero? Phenomenal wrestler. Knew his whole family. His brothers, great, great. Chavo, Hector, I was really close with Hector. Hector was was my guy. Chavo, Hector, Armando, 
Mondo, great trainer of uh, wrestling moves and for, and for movies. But Eddie, Eddie actually, if uh, if, uh, if I could say this, Eddie actually became even bigger than his brothers, became even more intense than his brothers. But it could be because it was 10, 20 years later, and and by then moves that wrestling moves had improved, and he learned how to really, really put on a great show. And I want to call it a show. He knew what he was doing, and he entertained all the time. Wow, all right. Are there any truths to the rumors from my wrestling sources out, out in Shelton, Washington, that Eddie Guerrero himself, he, he wanted uh, some free photographs uh, from you, but in exchange he offered you a, a ride in his lowrider. Are there any truths to those rumors? I, w- I, I wish there was, and it would have been nice to ride in his ro- low, low rider. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to put no on that. Okay. Next wrestler, Mean Gene Okerlund. Actually, not a wrestler, but a commentator. Great. He was just, just great. One-liners right away, real quick. Mean Gene, he was... He he had the show moving. He, he helped he helped a lot of guys. He helped a lot of guys even get over just the way he his mannerism and the way he approached the sport. You can tell he was happy doing what he was doing. Made it made it good. Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna put your word happy by his name in my notebook. <laughs> okay. All right. How about China? China. Didn't saw her plenty, didn't know her much. Uh, at, at that time during the WWE, we didn't get in as involved with the wrestlers as I did early on. So I really didn't know her, but but she was very nice to me whenever I saw her, just real friendly and nice and sweet. But I'm saying I, I, I don't have any backstory. I really didn't know her that well just from when I would see her, but she would always say hello and make sure how you, always ask how you're doing and want to know if you need anything. Oh, okay. All right. And the last wrestler, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Loved what he's doing. He loved wrestling, and he he loved representing America, <laughs> whether it be with a flag or with a two-by-four. He was just... Uh, Great, great person who was really nice, who who went out of his way for a lot of people. I saw him. He was just very nice. Oh, okay. All right. You did very well on our expanded word okay. association. Very good. Okay. Well, George, did you ever have a chance to attend an Olympic event and take some photos? No, I never did. I never covered the Olympics. I wish I would have. Would have been nice, but I know that the uh, the the big Olymp- Olympian on one just won the Gable, just won, and I'm sure you're going to see him wrestling someday. He's, he was named after yeah. Dan Gable. Yeah, they named him after uh, they named uh, him after Dan Gable. Yes, that wrestler. Yes. And his okay. name is G- Gable Dan Stevenson, I believe. Could be wrong, but. With, with a name like that and that, a background like he has, 
I'm sure that he's going to give wrestling a try somewhat and see what happens. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think, didn't he win with a last-second takedown? Yes, he did. Uh-huh. A, a, go, go, a go behind, I believe. He did. Yeah. I think he I think he's uh, weighs 189 or 179 pounds if I'm not mistaken. But we are not in the day and age where wrestlers have to be 260 and 65. It's a whole new it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Unless unless you were 64, 62, 63, 64, two and a quarter and up, they won't even look at you. You still Yes. Be. And speaking of wrestlers in that size category, did you ever have a chance to meet George the Animal Steel? Of course, many a time. Oh, many a time. Okay. did he ever have a, a did he ever uh, have a offer you to take a bite of a turnbuckle? Did he offer you to bite one? No, he, he didn't. He, he didn't signal signal me to come in a ring and take a and, and have a feast with him. No, I, I missed that. But, uh, but oh, okay. He he had a long career, and his career spanned the, uh, the 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 early '60s with Bruno, and then he went all the way up to to WrestleMania with uh, Savage and Elizabeth and what have you. He had a long, long career. He was a well-spoken, quiet, um, intelligent person, unlike his character that he portrayed. Yes. Do you recall the you? Have you ever seen the YouTube video where he visits the zoo? Uh, yes, I did. Yes. And he visited. Tiger, oh, okay. And he saw the tigers. Detroit. <laughs> he was from Detroit. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, George, how many pictures have you taken of Katz's Deli, the home of Send a Salami <laughs> to Your Boy in the Army? Oh, you know, actually, I I went to Cactus Deli with the Road Warriors to get a sandwich. Whoa! They 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 didn't believe the size of the uh, of the roast beef sandwich, <laughs> piled high. Did not believe. I believe it was roast beef and I think uh, turkey, pork had turkey. <laughs> they could not wow. believe the size at the uh, Cactus Deli, and the same at Carnegie Deli. One night after the matches at the Meadowlands, when it was NWA, AWA mix, the guys wanted to go eat. They were staying in New York, and I said, let's go to the Carnegie Deli. And that's where I took them. Took the two road warriors, Ivan Koloff, uh, Nikita Koloff. There was, there was at least guys at the Carnegie Deli, and they could not believe the size of the sandwiches that they ate, that they were given the price that they paid. Okay, who finished their sandwich uh, quicker, Ivan or Nikita? <laughs> I think I actually think it was Nikita. <laughs> oh, wow, all right. Okay. Well, George, did you ever have a chance to take a photograph of any members of the Ducky Boys Boys gang members of which – Peter Chris of Kiss once belonged. No, actually, I didn't. 
And uh, I should have I should have known him. He came from Brooklyn. So did I. I still live in Brooklyn. Didn't know him, and uh, and I also had I also had my own rock band way back when, during the same time that you were there. Oh well, what, what instrument did you play? Guitar. Oh, okay. And Bass we, or, or, we, or regular? We record. We recorded for Mercury Smash Records. Smash was a label, part of Mercury. We recorded three songs, and I have uh, eight, ten YouTube videos that people posted on the band with our music. <laughs> oh, what was the name of the band you were in? The name of the group is the Oxbow Incident. Oxbow Incident. Incident. Wow. If you look at it, check on Google Oxbow Incident, and if you write Smash Records, you'll find a bunch of stuff. Wow. All right. Okay. Now, did you know uh, Jimmy Hart also belonged to a band called the Jam? Of course. In fact, I was at at the Brooklyn Fox when the – Jimmy, when Jimmy Hart's Gentry's performed at a show. Whoa. How was Jimmy Hart in concert? Was he very flamboyant? He, he, well, he, he, was, uh, he was a singer, part of the group. He wasn't the lead singer. He was a singer in the Gentry. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. Yeah, and then they, they performed a you know, big show at the Brooklyn Fox with a DJ called Murray the K. And to get on a Murray the K show, you you had to be have a hit record, and it, it propelled you even further. So that was their hit. They didn't have anything after that, but they had one hit that people still know. Wow! All right. Okay. Well, uh, what did you think? Did you ever uh, have take any photographs of the Beastie Boys? One of the pioneering uh, rock rap groups and uh, Hall of Fame members with Mike D yes, and Adrock. Yes, I actually did. I, I did. They, did. They did not like. They did not like having a flash in their face. Please, please, oh. no flash, no flash. Yeah, and uh, I, I do have photos of them. In fact, in in one of my lives, when when the magazines kind of went kaput in uh, early 2000s, 2004 or so. I started taking pictures for Getty Images, and uh, and, and to 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 this day, I'm still a quote paparazzi unquote, but not really. I get invited to uh, premieres, movie concerts, movies, concerts, shows, what have you, and that's that's what I do to spend my time now. I mean, uh, I don't go to as many wrestling matches. If I had my magazines, I would go to a lot. I don't go to that many. I go occasionally. I go to the big WWE shows. Um, last month I went to MLW in Philadelphia, and I thought it was great, great show. And uh, to go back to what somebody asked me before, the, uh, the the fellow court from MLW invited me to come. So we're gonna have a big show. Would you mind coming? He says, if you come, it'll show people that we're important, having you at ringside. And I said, oh, of course, thank you for the invite. And that's. That goes to his question of people ever asking me to go, and that just happened uh, last month. But I, oh, but I do nice. these days. I take a lot of uh, movie premieres, concerts, shows, and what have you, photos. Wow. Okay. All right. 
Well, George, have you ever thought of traveling to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and taking pictures of the Civil War battlefield in the hopes of capturing a ghostly image? No, I'm not into finding ghosts, but I had been to Gettysburg years ago. Oh, you did. Okay. Did you yeah. did you get a uh, kind of a haunting feeling? It's a little eerie. It's it's almost like what you might get if you went to Pearl Harbor. How's that? Oh, okay. Yes, Pearl Harbor. All right. Okay. All right. Well, George, do you have a favorite picture you have taken and consider to be one of your better photographs that you took with a regular over-the-counter disposable camera? Never use one. I use my oh, regular yeah. camera. I wouldn't use a disposable camera. I used, oh. I used to use my Nikon, my trusty Nikon, 1974, the picture of Andre the Giant holding up the four women wrestlers that was used throughout the world to promote Andre. Oh, wow. All right, did you yourself ever get into a drinking contest with Andre the Giant? Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I, I drank him under the table. What? I drank. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come on. Of course. Oh, okay. Why not? All right. But, I, wow. but uh, in all honesty, Andre, many a night, uh, at the end of the garden shows, would sit at the bar and he would try to force drinks on a bunch of the guys, and, and they just couldn't take it. And Andre was left alone many a night. And many a night I sat next to him just to keep him company and uh, because otherwise people would hit him up for autographs or just whatever. I just used to sit there, and he would say, boss, you want anything? And I would say no, and he would be happy with that and leave me alone. But I kept him company many a night. Oh, that's good. If he if he called your boss, that was a sign of that he accepted you, which is good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had met him before he had, he he got into the WWF. I met him in Montreal, 1972, when he was Jean Ferrer, and then when he was introduced at the Garden, Mr. McMahon Senior introduced me to Andre, and he says, "Oh, I know him. I met him in Montreal. He's my he's my friend, boss, my friend." And he shook my hand in front of Vince McMahon. And McMahon looked at him like, you know this guy? <laughs> wow, very nice. Okay, okay. Well, George, there have been many famous photos in history, in the history of mankind. And several that come out to mind are the Pulitzer Prize-winning photo photographer Eddie Adam when he took his photo entitled 1968 Saigon Execution, and it's a photograph of a man shooting a Vietnam um, person in the head I, I with picked, a gun. Yeah, and that spooked me because I was of the uh, the draft era. Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I never took a photo like that, nor do I want to. Okay, that, uh, I, I was going to compare four famous photographs and see which one you would have taken, so I'm going to but cross I, but that I, out. Yeah, but I, okay. I, I, I know exactly the photo you are referring to. Yes. Because it was in, uh, I, I could be wrong, Time Magazine, maybe. 
I remember yeah. it clearly. And it showed what was going on over there where I had friends there. And I was draft deferred at that time. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there was also, I'm sure you know this one, the photo of the Victory Over Japan Day, the sailor kissing a girl in Times <laughs> Square in 1945. Mm-hmm. And there yeah, was also uh, Harold, Harold Edgerton's photo in 1957 of the milk drop. It looks like an atomic bomb, a milk drop. Didn't know. I don't know that. Don't know that one. Oh, okay. Well, but I do know the kiss. I do know the Uh, kiss. Okay. And and way back when, you used to try to recreate the kiss in the middle of Times Square in the middle of the street. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, over over time, uh, it may it may have evolved. Uh, maybe not a guy, ki- a, a, a sailor kissing a nurse. It, it could be uh, different, different photographs. <laughs> well, it would, it would be very different in today's day and age. How's that? <laughs> yes, you, you might, you might have a gold dust, the wrestler, in one of those pictures. Yes. Oh, okay. Gold dust. Okay. Well, somebody who wants to be a gold dust. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, George. Have you heard of the phenomenon Zero Shadow Day? Uh, hey, uh, sorry to say I don't. Okay. Well, a Zero Shadow Day is a day on which the sun does not cast a shadow of an object at noon when the sun will be exactly at its zenith. Zero okay. Shadow Day happens twice a year for the places between plus 23.5 and minus 23.5 degrees of latitude. The dates will vary for different locations on the Earth. This Mm -hmm. phenomenon, zero shadow day, occurs when the sun's declination becomes equal to the latitude of the location. My question is, how hard would it be to take a photograph in zero shadow day? Uh, zero shadow day. It would be hard. I was going yes. to say you're going to, your own shadow might create a shadow in, in zero shadow day. I, uh, I don't know that I will be out there. The same as I won't be out there when the groundhog makes his appearance. Ah, uh, in Puxatawney, uh, Pennsylvania. Yes, Puxatawney. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we here at Turnbuckle Turmoil hope that one day you will get to travel between the latitudes of 23.5 and minus 23.5 degrees of latitude and uh, when no shadows are cast. Well, thank we, we you hope very much. Okay, very good. All right. <laughs> Well, George, I have here before me a a so-called list of the 55 most famous uh, movies about photography. And they list, or uh, it's their opinion, at rank number 17 is a movie called One Hour Photo 
which was made in 2002. And uh, the description is of this number 17 rank, a mentally unstable photo developer targets a middle-class family after his obsession with them becomes more sick and disturbed than any of them could imagine. And it stars Robin Williams, Connie Nielsen, and Michael Barton. Now, the gross of this movie, it made $31.6 million, but I don't know when they last updated this. So that is one-hour photo. I am now going to ask you to pick out uh, two more ranks, and uh, I will tell you what the, what the movie is. Two, two, uh, can you pick out uh, two more ranks? Well, so, guys, actually we have a caller on the line, and I believe it is someone George knows fairly well. Ken Hamlin, are you with us? I am. How are you doing, George? Hey, how are you? See, I mentioned you. I have to. Yeah, you know, I heard my name got dropped, so I had to give it. I had to call in. Um, the one, the reason I wanted to call was I wanted to tell everybody out there listening. This guy is one of the legends in wrestling photography, and he's the one that got me my start. And he helped me out immensely. He took a chance on a 24-year-old guy who turned 61 today. And um, I just oh. wanted to get in because Sign's going to have me on next week as a photographer. And, None of this would have happened without you taking a chance on me, and I wanted you to know how much I really appreciated everything you did for me over the years. Well, you're welcome. It was it was great working with you. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't really travel out that way, and then I didn't have to. I mean, I I used to I used to use a story or two every month, you know, in the various magazines, and I knew that it would that that was covered, and it left me time to go other places. And I, and I will say, that's a long plane ride from Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> well, I do appreciate everything you did for me because it not only helped, you know, back then, you know, when I really needed the money yeah. and, and everything, but also it, it helped me get my foot in the door in the business, you know, and I've been, ever since that time, I've been uh, involved with a lot of the uh, the local promotions and the sign guy will know I'm a, I, I do a lot of ring announcing, I do a lot of photography, mm-hmm. I do a lot of this and that, but I knew that you were coming on. I, I'm the one that suggested the sign guy to bring you on. And uh, I said, you know what, you would make a great guest for this. And um, the, I know you got so many good stories. And I'm in the middle now with um, doing some pictures over here with Lita. She's out here today. But I wanted okay. to call in and, again, say thank you very much for everything oh, you did. And, and, ladies and gentlemen, if you, wanna, if you really want to see some great wrestling photos, this man has put out some nice books with some of the greatest photos that I've ever seen. And again, George, you know, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And uh, oh. mucho apreciado. No, oh, thank you very much. It was my pleasure, and uh, it was great it's good talking to you too. And, and, and as I said, I always knew, knew that you said you were going to send it in. I knew I was going to get it, and I knew what I what I was going to get. Well, yeah, all I had to do was drop your name to Barry Owen. I could get right in whenever I wanted and whatever I needed. So, hey, you know, you were Uh well-known no matter whether you were New York or Washington or California or Canada or whatever. And it was was my honor and my pleasure to work for you. Well, thank you very much, and good luck to you. And keep it up. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, George. It's good. Thanks, Sign. QT, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. Ooh, that's uh, very nice. Okay. 
All right. So, George, can you pick out uh, two uh, mo- two numbers or two uh, movies, uh, ranked movies, and I, I will describe them to you? You know your movie stuff. Didn't I tell uh, you? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, uh, let me see. Midnight Cowboy? Uh, I have uh, uh, the 55 most uh, popular movies about photography from me. Can you pick out a... This get random. No, I can't. Can you pick out a number? Not, not really, because my photography was what I did. It wasn't my life. It was part of one of many of my lives. So oh, okay. I, I wasn't... I wasn't entrenched. And, and, and to be honest, doing stories, I needed pictures to fill pages. There were people who oh. were great photographers, great photographers, and because they, they created the shot. Doing what I do, and Ken and others, we don't have time to create the shot. The shot comes to you, and you've got to be ready to take it. Oh, okay. All right. Very well said. Okay. Okay. Well, Mr. Napolitano, I re- we as we discussed earlier, you could not. Uh, you were not there, or uh, history uh, did not give you a chance to get a um, ride in Eddie Guerrero's Lowrider. I would. I will upon myself uh, to give you a chance. To get into a low rider and take a ride with Mr. Hamblin. Will you let me do that? Oh, oh that, that'll be fine. Fly me across the country, put me in, and then we'll have war playing in the background. Oh, war. Wow, now that was a good good uh, rock group. War. Yes. Well, playing play their low rider song. I want blaring from the speakers. Wow, okay. All right. Okay, well, all right, at this time, I'm going to turn it back over to Sign Guy. Okay, thank you. Thank you, QT. Well, Mr. Napolitano, uh, like Ken said, you put out several books over the years, and they were filled with photography and sort of biographical information on the different wrestlers and so forth. When you were doing the books, did you have a particular favorite one that you came out with at that point? Not, not really. Every, everyone, is, everyone is your favorite at that moment. That being said, the first one, having, having the first one and actually seeing it physically was a thrill. The first one I did was, was called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and I did it along with a fellow named Bert Sugar, who was a very big boxing historian. And he had the connection for the book company. So I did first two books were with Bert, and then I did the rest on my own. I did, uh, in fact, I did, in, in total, I've done 12 different books. One of the things that pro wrestling has done since pretty much the start of pro wrestling is include celebrities during the events to try to piggyback off the fame of the celebrities and draw in their fan base in hopes of those people wanting to continue on as wrestling fans and bring more 
notoriety and draw more money to the wrestling side of things. I know you've been on shows with a lot of celebrities. When you're photographing a wrestling event that has celebrities on it, do the celebrities seem to know what to do as far as being in the right place for the right shot and that type of thing? Or is it a little bit harder to work around the celebrities when they're not in their normal element? Well, you know, for the most part, I mean, I, I didn't see this. The, the only WrestleMania I missed was this last one. And then you had Bad Bunny, who actually got in the ring and did something in the ring. Would have been nice to take him. Um, most most part, the celebrities are used, as you say, as a lure to to attract a different crowd. And uh, you really don't have much wrestling involvement. Just being outside, Cindy Lauper outside the ring, maybe. Uh, and then you had a lot of others who used to, used to sit ringside and just used to mind their business and enjoy themselves because they like the athletic and they, and they like the showmanship. They are showmen. And movie stars now with Cena and Batista and The Rock, of course, you know, I, I, I never encountered a celebrity having to uh, tell them what, what ha, having to tell them what to do. But I'm sure WWE and whoever they're working with has their own agenda and it tells them what they want, what they're looking for at least. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure you have ample time if you would like to say anything to the listeners and plug and promote absolutely anything you would like. The floor is all yours. Oh, thank you very much. Well, actually, i got nothing to sell at this moment. I have nothing I'm pushing. Uh, I, I can be found on Twitter at Starshot9 on Twitter. Starshot nine, and uh, I I keep up with Twitter. I, I I see a lot of people know a lot of stuff. Every five minutes is a new wrestling story, and uh, for the most part, I I look at them and say, where did I find out this information? But I, I really don't have anything going right now. I have no books coming out. I take photos for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and that's the only magazine left in town. And uh, you had asked earlier about uh, taking pictures. Way back when, there were so many magazines, not just my own. When I first started, before having my own series, there was a Wrestling World, Wrestling uh, Wrestling Eye, and so many more, Complete Book of Wrestling, and so much others that a person who was an aspiring photographer, aspiring writer, can submit the material. Now there is no such thing. But people have their own blogs that they write this stuff on. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't do anything like that at the moment. Well, Mr. Napolitano, I want to thank you very much for being a guest here on Turnbuckle Drumroll. We definitely appreciate it greatly. It is an absolute thrill to have you here. Thank you for all of the great photography over the years. I enjoy the books. It was always a big fight, Bill. Whenever. One of the announcers would mention you were at ringside shooting it. It always made it seem like that event was a little bit more important. So 
Thank you so much for all you've contributed to professional wrestling. Well, thank you very much for having me, and I appreciate the kind words. It's, uh, it's been my pleasure, and I hope uh, I answered your questions the way you wanted. Absolutely. Absolute joy to have you here. Fans, definitely, if you can find the books, pick up the books. They are fantastic. I have some on my bookshelf. have had them in my collection for a while. They're great to open up and thumb through and relive some of the glory days of pro wrestling. You can also see George on a lot of footage. He was at all the major events over the last 40 to 50 years. So when you're watching old wrestling, you just might see George Napolitano there at the show. We will be back with you next week, next Friday afternoon. We have ring announcer slash timekeeper Mike Blair with us. And one week from this very day, we have Ian Hamlin, who is just with us, as well as his fiancée, Tanya. They are a couple photography unit. They uh, do photography together, so that's going to be a bit of a unique experience for us here. But make sure you have plans to join us, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you.